Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The point well earned. Cheers, Peter. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 <laughs> of Brighton Rock. So we're here today, again, back in the Gladstone after a, a week away. Back on home turf, back so Back on home speak. turf, back in our, mate, our, our key room. Okay. Um, following on from a, a hard-earned point at Wolves at the weekend. I can't really say I was surprised when it was a uh, final one of match today, but uh, we'll get onto that and plenty more later on as we... Uh, we go through the show, we also have a discussion about whether any pubs in Wolverhampton actually allow away fans in, which seems to be, a, uh, <laughs> seem to be unlikely, and uh, there's, there's also more to come, Russ. Yes, there is, because uh, on the last episode, or I should say episodes as I've broken into two parts, I chatted with Josh from the Together podcast, and he became our first quiz uh, candidate, I suppose you could call it, for, <laughs> like quiz- the apprentice. <laughs> yeah, for Quizzer of the Year. And he scored 11 out of 15. And, Peter, you went on that show. This is your first chance to have a go at the quiz yourself. Yeah. So we've got that coming up later in the show. Looking forward to that. And um, Also, you're right about match of the day. I've started recording just the last 15 minutes of the programme, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it was, I wasn't, they weren't to blame on that one on Saturday. There was very little to the show. Well, there's hardly any goals in any of the games, yeah. was there? one nils and nil nils. Yeah, but they might have been shots on target, though. <laughs> but there we go. So, yes, welcome to this show. Uh, so we're going to be chatting about Wolves in just a moment, uh, also a bit of general news as well, a few bits of uh, information that have come into the public light this week, and well, some other stuff to chat about later. First of all though, Wolves, Peter, you went to the game, I didn't, so tell me about it. Bit of a non-event really, to be honest. Right, on to the next subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, happy enough with a point, felt like a little bit like an opportunity lost, because um, we they really didn't turn up. And we were we assumed that I was there with my dad, and we assumed at half time that they would get a, a real bollocking from their manager, and they come out really really up for the second half. But if anything, we were the ones who improved second half and looked. Mm. I thought overall looked looked the better team across the game. We had the better chances. Um, Solly March again missed 
such a good chance. It was yeah, yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And yeah, <laughs> um, almost like a week before, funnily enough. I, I watched it on a stream, and I used the word watched advisedly because it was buffering like hell. You know, and that was just the way it was. The game was. You can't get the illegal, uh, legal free services. That, that was just the way the game was. Yeah, <laughs> players were going back and forth a lot in the game as well. So and pausing, so <laughs> yeah. still. And, yeah. yeah, it really was a bit uh, like that. You, I'm joking, half joking, because it felt like a training game sometimes in the first half. And we were playing it around the back. They weren't pressing a lot of the game. They were just sitting back on us, and which seemed very odd considering that we don't like being pressed. And and they they were just sitting back a bit, and it. It felt like almost like an end of season affair, quite a lot of the game. And it, it, from I'm reliably informed because I wasn't there last season, but it wasn't as bad as the game last season, which apparently was dreadful. And we also drew nil nil. So but, could, it, could it be that they were actually just sitting back, waiting for us to come onto them? Yeah, maybe because obviously they got the pace. But yeah. they it, it seems an odd tactic for a team six in a league mm. who've just won at Tottenham when you're playing a team who haven't won in 2020. And they could have gone into yeah. the top four if they'd have won. Exactly. The the random stat for the weekend is my dad now been to Wolverhampton uh, seven times and he's we've drawn every single game <laughs> which is quite unusual I thought it's quite impressive yeah. I mean I've been six times now and we've won we won one and drawn five we, we won the we didn't even go to promotion yeah. season but well, that's seven out of seven draws it must be an unusual stat it's a bit of an anomaly yeah. isn't it I mean I was chatting with Josh on Friday night for the podcast that went out in two sections before this one uh, he was talking about how we've they've got a thirteen percent win rate, I think it was, in their history against us. And yeah. there's a very large number of draws as yeah. you've There's a lot of wins as well for us. I think we won like nine in a row. We were looking at it afterwards. Yeah. I think the, we won the first nine league games against them. Uh, we, yeah. We threw right. the they, first two I think No, they they won, they won the first two in the cup, didn't they? Yeah. Whatever. And then we won the first the first right. nine. That's so we were right. looking it up on Saturday afterwards. Good overall. knowledge, Peter, I like yeah. it. <laughs> it's literally because we were looking it up on Saturday <laughs> afterwards. But yeah. I think they've won like four <clears throat> against us in the or six maybe. Yeah. Six out of thirty odd in the history. Well it's nice to have a bogey team. Yeah, because normally everyone else is around, ours. <laughs> everyone else seems to be ours. Mm. Oh god, we we do seem to have yeah. a huge number of bogey Burnley. teams. Yeah, oh, Bournemouth. Oh, stop it! You're making me feel nauseous. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're right. I think it was. I mean, looking at the game on the stream, what I could glean from what I could see was that it did have that feeling of a training ground game. It was weird. It was a sort of game that was entertaining in one sense, that it was snappy passing and it was going end to end. And but it didn't really go anywhere. But it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. it opened up its last twenty minutes or so. It was a bit more end to end, but still, mm. even then, there wasn't really. You mm. wouldn't say anyone missed. I mean, March's chance was probably the best chance of the game. Mm. Yeah, I'd say probably, and it, and it wasn't yeah. like the sitter that you missed the previous week, but it was still. Yeah, he had time to take a touch on that because it was so well. It's frustrating because there had been so little quality in the final third from both teams, and for once, Trossard, I think it was, had waited and crossed it back to March, and March had actually backed out. To be fair, showing real intelligence, mm. backed away from everyone else to get space. Yeah, and he just then the finish was dreadful. Yeah, but I think it was two shots on target all game. That's right. One, one was straight at Ryan, and one was straight at um, Rui Patricio. Yeah, so our shot was. Proper shot, yeah. which was which, from, I mean, it's, a good move. It's not, impressive that Proper got a shot on target considering his normal range. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that, was, that was a decent yeah. half chance try on goal, but um, I think, I think Wolves', Wolves uh, shot on goal was after the 70th minute, yeah. so we've done pretty well to contain them until then. I mean, they were only the second team this season to keep them to, to stop them scoring at home. Leicester apparently were the first in the league. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's a yeah, impressive start on the one hand, but it's not been that's not been a problem for us. Well, there goes the problem one, has been at the other end. There goes one of my stats I was going to quote later oh, on. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> no, that's fine. Stolen don't your worry. thunder. Don't worry, don't worry. It's always impressive if you've thrown in the stats I've researched, because... 
you just know yourself. I think I've remembered the same BBC stuff that you did. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, yeah, not, not a game with lots of chances. I think it was crisp and neat passing without a final problem. Story of our season in a lot of ways. Story As of with season. Palace, but they obviously yeah. scored. Yeah. As with so many other games, you know, we've gone to where either we haven't conceded, but we've not got the goal to win it, or, you know, we, we've played better team. We have more possession Saturday. Yeah. It's like 57% possession or something yeah, like that, wasn't yeah. it? Or, Which is pretty good against Wolves. Uh, yeah, I know, but good. what do we do with it? That's the thing, that's, that's the frustration. And they're not a team who... I don't think they're a team who particularly mind not having the possession because they can break with pace. And yeah. and so much, there's so, there so much frustration. And we, the number of times we kind of broke over the halfway and then stopped and went sideways. And it yeah. it still feels like we've gone a little bit back to the Chris Hewton era where we mm. kind of like, we don't like to push forward really with pace. Yeah. And we kind of like kind of just sit back and kind of hold back and let them get back into position and then kind of try and attack them and it and it's so frustrating because mm. we have quality in our team we have players who can make a difference but yeah the way there's... the way we knit passes together sometimes you you watch in isolation of moments and you think this is pretty bloody good yeah. the way we play I know, absolutely, yeah. when you look back on the Whitting years you look back on the Priestfield years and quite a few of the Goldstone years as well. There's many times Even I've watched the Amex years. and the Amex years, and you look and you think, "God, this is dreadful." And now we are, we have to take a step back for a moment sometimes and think we are a really good footballing yeah, team. Yeah, but it doesn't do any good if you don't put the ball in the net. Exactly, There's and that's the frustration. You know, it's kind of like you don't get any rewards for playing really nice football. You get yeah. you get rewards for scoring goals, and that's all season. Where on Saturday it was the final ball against Palace, it was a little bit of that, but mainly the final, the shot. Um, but whether it's one or the other, it's been our problem all season. Yeah. Either the final pass or knowing which one. Sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes we shoot when we should pass. Yeah. And sometimes it's we pass when we should shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Other times we just put a you know final cross in and it's completely mm. wrong. It's straight to the keeper. And people quote the notion that that's not Potter's fault. It's what they're doing yeah. on the pitch. Is there an element that Potter should do something more in terms of the? It's the a very difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously, when you're on the pitch, you can't control that. But isn't decision making yeah. part uh, of the? Criteria you can coach him. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Sometimes I think your football intelligence you can't really coach. I think Mm. to a degree you've either got it or you haven't. But Mm. it's it's a tough one because I think probably the frustration I think if we go down this year is we've got our best team of the three years we've been down. We've been in Premier League. Yeah. But we just haven't been able to translate that into the goals. The first two seasons we won so many games because we had a solid defence and we had Murray up front scoring the odd goal or whatever at times. This year, for whatever reasons, our defence has been broken up a bit. And although we've not conceded loads, we've maybe been a bit more careless at the back sometimes. And Murray's not really played that much. Both of those are Potter's decisions. So, I mean, that's his fault in that sense. Uh, Murray was never going to last forever. Obviously, second half last season, he didn't really score. And that was part of the reason we had such a dreadful run. Hmm. But it's, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, do you think Potter's to blame for that part? Or? Yeah, I think there's elements he, he is accountable for. You have to take into consideration both sides of it. Yeah, there's things that he could have maybe prepped better. Maybe there's things that he has tried to prep mm. better and the players have just failed to deliver on that. Other times, maybe he hasn't said stuff or conditioned them in a certain way going out onto the pitch that could be better. Maybe maybe Chris Wilder has the edge, for example, in that type of... Yeah. Well, Wilder's worked with his team, obviously, for a long time. Yeah, I think where true. you can't blame Potter, actually... And as frustrating as, I mean, I thought you should have played Murray against Palace, hmm. and he, I still think he should have done, but 
frustrating as it is that he didn't, you can't blame him for March messing up in that position. You can't blame him for the fact that Dunk happened to head at Malpe rather than head, you know, Malpe being in the way of, it, of that one. Mm. You can't blame him for Malpe hitting a straight to the keeper when he could have either side would have been yeah. one nil. None of those decisions. Yeah. None of those things yeah. are. Those are things that. Well, I mean, Dunk's was bad luck, and the other two were ones that professional footballers should do better yeah. with. And the top scorer should be scoring those chances. Right. March should be scoring that chance. Yeah. It's on yeah. small margins, and if you hit those one or yeah. two target, targets, and then and we know we're pretty good from one nil up. Yeah, it's when we go one nil down that we've really struggled. Yeah, yeah. well, there's, there was two or three unusual elements to the lineup uh, on Saturday. First of all, it was the same lineup. <laughs> Is that actually the first time this season? I, think I, I read second, but I wasn't sure what the. Time. I read I read somewhere it's a second, but I don't know what the other game was. Yeah. And well, it's an old one to choose to keep the same team as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Having had certain elements that were, shall we say, disappointing in that game, then, yeah, there we are. But the team was... I was surprised March played, to be honest. I was surprised, a little surprised Moy played, although I think he'd, I thought he, he got a bit of criticism online, I thought, afterwards, but he was actually better than he was against <coughs> yeah, against Palace yeah. in that game. March, frustrated as normal, yeah, kind of... Trossard really doesn't start well. I think with March... Webster I, struggled. I, I look at March, and he's a player that's got such a really silky... Delightful technique. He looks the the way he brushes the ball off and plays it is absolutely wonderful. It's it, he just looks such a stylish player when he lays the ball off and when he does general stuff on the pitch, and it, and, and the way he stands, the way he he stands someone up, it, everything looks fantastic. It's just then when he what he does with the ball looks. You could like, argue Albion are like that as a whole. Yeah, it's, it's, he is. Yeah, he is effectively a metaphor for the club. He, it's it's sort of he's kind of looks a bit half-hearted or a little bit. Not disinterested. I actually thought he worked pretty hard that day, and he missed that one chance. And he, mm. but I thought actually that on a whole he was better than Trossard, who didn't really work that hard in tracking back and protecting Burn mostly. Although he did have a couple of moments where yeah, he would be but, really fighting him. I thought my March protected um, Montoya pretty well, yeah. generally, and kind of. Well, and isn't that why he's being kept in the team? Because I think it's his defensive yeah. sensibilities that allow him um, to, to 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 get another place in the team yeah. for the next match because he. He's definitely not producing in the in the final no. third, but he do, he is better than most at the defensive side of things. Yeah. Is he maybe even more of a wing back nowadays than a? I think he probably is. Yeah. He did pretty well there for the first half part yeah. of the season when yeah. he, until he got injured. Yeah. He did it pretty well. Well, for for reference, the team that we stayed with for this match was Ryan Montoya, Webster and Dunk at centre back, Burn left back, and then you had Proper Basuma Moy, who was replaced by Stevens later in the game. March replaced by McAllister, which is the other notable, uh, notable difference in this squad. Uh, Trossard, who was replaced by Jahambach, another player who I think hasn't been getting enough games because uh, he's been doing well, and Morpe. And um, subs were, well, the other subs were Button, Duffy, Gross and Murray. They were the, the unused. Yeah, the, um, the, the thing from Frust- I don't understand at the moment that confuses me is the exclusion of Bernardo from 18 there as well. Yeah, I get I mean, it. I just don't get it. He's... Every time I've seen him in an Albion shirt, he's performed really well. I've never seen him have a really... Well, I would have gone away thinking he had a bad game or anything like that. He's done nothing wrong. He's a much more natural left-back than Byrne is, who's got... who As much as I really like Dan Byrne, actually I'd probably play him centre-back at the moment because Duffy doesn't fit Potter's view, that's fine. Mm. And But Webster is struggling. I would play Byrne at centre-back and play Bernardo. At, Bernardo's got a pace, he can get back up and down the pitch. He's. I don't understand what Potter has... And also Hutton last season to agree mm. at times. 
drop him in front of the team for. I just don't get it. I've never seen him what I think have a really bad game or anything like that, so I don't really get it. When, when I look at manager, managerial decisions, it always seems to be, with a few exceptions, probably you would say they're the really top managers. There always seems to be some, despite how well they're doing, there's always some baffling decision somewhere. Yeah. There's always one or two things with the, with the manager you can rate really highly where you think, really like him, but why has he made that decision? Yeah. And I don't know if it's being close to it. You can't quite see the bigger picture and you make a couple of clouded judgments. I don't know. But there always seems to be something like that, doesn't there? Hewton was like that. Yeah. Other managers we've had who we've liked, like Poyet, I think. Um, you could even say there, there was always somebody somewhere where you thought, how's he got the game? Yeah. And Solly March has had a good run. You can see the defensive sensibilities do allow him to get into the team a bit more. But he's had a run of games where he's not been up to the standard we need. Jahanbach, when he has played, which has mainly been in cameo roles in recent weeks since he had that purple patch over Christmas, New Year, um, he's not had the chances no. he deserves. Bernardo, as you said, had no chances at he, all. If Wilburn was injured, I thought he came in and did pretty well. And I don't think he did anything wrong that deserved to get dropped. No. I mean, if he did, or you, you can, or if Byrne was just undroppably good, you, understandable. Byrne's a good player. and he, He's not a left-back, though. He's he's not, a, yeah, exactly. If you're playing three you centre back, fine. Yeah. You put him in on the left side of that, no problem at all. I mean, I, I really think Dan Burns, but considering he cost like three and a half million, where it was, or three million, he's done a brilliant job for us. But he's not as good a left back as Bernardo, and yeah. I just don't Bernardo get. Bernardo gives us the greatest yeah. shape, doesn't he? He's much better. He's much quicker. We only have to look at that Chelsea game where Burn went off. We were we were all over the place for twenty five minutes. Bernardo came on. Suddenly, mm. we actually were in the game after that. Yeah. And I know one game doesn't make anything, but he, that was that's reflected. He's I just. Yeah, I'm really gutted that we're probably going to lose one of our best... Even if we stay up, we'll probably lose one of our best players. Yeah. Because Potter doesn't play him, and mm. why would he stay when he's behind a, frankly, behind a centre-back at left-back? Yeah, yeah. And it's a, um, re- it's a it's real pity, because he's one of my... He's, if, he's, in my view, he's one of our best players. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think completely. Um, one of the concerning elements, I've just noticed, I've looked at the, um, the yellow card count uh, for Dunk's the game. up to nine. Is he up to nine? Yeah, I, yeah, think so, I wasn't yeah. sure if he was. He was at eight, up. and he's now. Well, he got one at the weekend, so I'm assuming he's up to nine. Yeah, yeah. I had a weird. I had a slight feeling he might have already been on nine, but yeah, he, he got booked. Uh, Montoya and Burn also as well. So um, yeah, he and Burn got booked in the same incident. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all fouls. Uh, nothing, nothing more than that. Yeah, I thought that, again, as I a probably broken record, I thought the refereeing was very yeah. Ordinary, without anything controversial happening. Montoya got booked for absolutely nothing throughout the first foul of the match. That so was like he said he didn't give anything for foul wise either way. To be fair, for the mm. first like twenty five minutes, and then booked Montoya for a nothing, yeah. a nothing foul. We Let them get away with two or three, and then booked. I mean, both Duncan burn no question. I mean, we do seem to get those, don't we? I mean, this foul, foul, foul thing we've got listed here for yellow cards. Yeah. Man City do that all day long. Tactical yeah. fouling. They get away with it yeah. apart from one. I mean, to be fair, Byrne and Dunk were both bookings, so there's no question about yeah. that. But they could have had two or three with a like that as well, and yeah. they didn't give them. Yeah. Um, and Montoya's was ridiculous. It was a bizarre booking. He, you know, he'd not given a foul almost all game. Montoya hadn't put, barely put a tackle in, and then suddenly after 25 minutes, he's getting a booking for one, seem, one challenge. That does seem to happen to him a lot. Yeah. There's something about his persona. Well, the, the previous week, he got booked for Zaha diving, basically. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was an absolute shocker. I mean, the referee should have just. Booked him for diving. He yeah. flew himself like when someone throws himself that high in the air, they've definitely not been fouled. They're just diving. Yeah. Well, um, when speaking to Josh last week, um, we I coined the phrase "he's just a poor man's Neymar," which I think just sums it up really. An infuriating player with lesser talent than Neymar. Yeah. Both of them are talented. Don't get me wrong, but when you, when you, 
Don't do it though, you'll get a Palace fan to rush into his defence for he definitely spat at the floor rather than actual yes, and right. all that. Well, on the po- one of the podcasts they said um, when you're running and you're in a sporty environment, if you run, you have to spit. I think yes, but it didn't have to spit at that moment yeah. at that trajectory. Yeah. Because I, I didn't... She does it at his feet, it's one thing, but he does it towards Shalosso. Exactly. I mean, I, I sit in the west upper, the north end of the ground, so it was right in front of me, the incident. I happened not to have seen the spitting, because obviously, mm. you know, it's a small thing, physically. Um, I did see the whole chronology of what was happening and unfolding, and having then matched that up with the footage I saw, yeah. I can tell you that he was definitely spitting at Scalotti. Oh yeah, absolutely. Towards and his feet, but he was spitting at Scalotti. And I will, I mean, without going back to Palace and to go on record, yeah. I would rather support Albion and all the ups and downs like we've had over the years and know that we've always paid our way. We've always, Whether it's through the owner or whether it's through our club, whatever, we've always paid our way rather than ripping off charities to go into administration and supporting that disgusting club in a horrible stadium yeah. with their ultra fans who smash up you know, our stadium and that sort of thing, or yeah, smash up our, just our area. They, and, they, they wear yeah. black, they don't realise, they're modelling themselves yeah. on Real Madrid's ultras who are a neo-fascist With the only group. reason they stay up being a, a player who is so immature, he might as well be a 10-year-old or something like that, <laughs> and basically sulks if he doesn't get his way every single time. The whole cry, you're going to cry in a minute song, apart yeah. from being the loudest one of the Amex, which is always entertaining. Is really appropriate, isn't yeah. it? He really is like. Well, that. barring that one goal against us in the first in the game this season, in the last mm. four games he's not turned up against Albion. Yeah. He did nothing in. And I know they won last game. But he did nothing yeah. last week. And even the game at Selhurst this season, yes, fair play. It's a good he got the one goal. goal. That was it. Yeah, but that's all he did. In the whole and game. he did nothing the two games the previous season. Just sulked on the corner. Yeah, I, I spoke to some neutrals, shall we call them, uh, the weekends, and um, talking about Zaha, and I, I quoted my poor man's Neymar thing. And he and the guys I was chatting to, who are a mixture of Arsenal fans, Everton fans, all sorts, they were saying, yeah, the, the problem with Zaha is inconsistency. I think you're being a bit kind to it, to be the poor man's name. I mean, Trudy's a poor man's Richarlison. <laughs> shouldn't connect the two names at all, should Trudy's a poor man's Richarlison. <laughs> or a poor man's poor man. of Poor man's Madison. Sort of, yes. <laughs> he, he is in the same, we were talking with Josh about the most fouls conceded, and the names we've just mentioned are all top of the stats. Yeah. Neymar in, in France... Uh, Madison, are you interestingly Zaha? He's probably been taught by the best. And Grealish are all of the yeah. top fouls. Yeah, poor man's Grealish actually. That could be quite an interesting. The, the most fouled, and I put my yeah. parentheses up here on this one as well because they're not really fouled half the time. Yeah, but you know, well, I mean that one on Montoya where Montoya got booked was ludicrous. I mean the guy threw himself up in the air. He didn't touch him. Mm, yeah, and if he did, it was like a kind of like yeah, he breathed over him or something like that. Or it's infuriating, isn't it, Peter? It's a good job we got a lovely pint of what are we yeah. having tonight? Is it roadside? Roadside. I can't remember the brewery. No. Yeah. Uh, Again. No, I can't remember either. This pub, the beers. Signature. I love it. Signature. Signature. Brewery. That's it. Signature brewery and roadside. a pint of roadside. Cheers, Peter. Immediately about Zaha. <laughs> but I stand across. by what I said. I, I would rather support us, but all the ups and downs we've been through. At least we've always paid our way. We've always. You know, kind of stood, you know, stood by a club yeah. and that sort of thing, rather than those there. And they get all the, all this sort of, oh, aren't Palace fans great? Not really, they were quiet no. at the Amex. Secondly, half the people that are doing that look like idiots, those people, all dressed in the same uniform, copying round. Yeah, they got on my train on the way the last time. It's the first time I've seen them in live, and they would look so pathetic. It's like, yeah. and they think they look hard or cool. Well, the irony but... is, it's kind of ultra culture, yeah. um, as, it, as it manifests itself in Italy and Germany and wherever. Argentina as well is all based on yeah. English fandom from before, and we've kind of moved on and changed and yeah, I don't mean in a sort of condescending way, but we we've changed how fan yeah. fan culture works. 
they've taken certain elements, which are great, other elements that aren't, and done what they've done. And now what Palace are doing is trying to recycle that back into the English. Would it be game. funny though if um if those like Palace fans got into Europe and they ended up playing some of the teams with actual ultras? Yeah. You know. People I'm sure they would literally fronts. not probably not even go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they, I mean, they, they, they say they all dress in black. That's modelled on Real Madrid's ultras. Real Madrid's ultras are neo-fascist group. Yeah, who so I came nice. across on a, on a trip to Madrid once. Sounds like a lovely bunch. Yeah, lovely, lovely lot. Yeah, and very enlightened, I imagine. Yeah. Like like the ultras at Palace. The the bizarre thing is Real Madrid's ultras are all now wearing white behind the goal. I don't know if you noticed that. It is literally a sea of white. Not literally, because it's not water, but you know what I mean. It, every single person is wearing white behind the goal, which is a, a weird change. Maybe they're trying to get away from association with parasols. Yeah. It could be, couldn't it? I mean, I would do that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. Distance yourself at all then, costs, boys. If they're, if they're neo-fascist, they're not wearing hoods, are they, or anything like that? Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe they are, maybe they're not. <laughs> anyway, um, with regard to the Wolves game, getting back on course here, head coach uh, Potter said this week... It was, a real, it was a really good performance, I thought. Defensively, we were delighted to keep a clean sheet at, at the home of a really good team. As we said, only one team's um, failed to, or kept them out uh, this season. Uh, Wolves have had a fantastic season. You can see the quality they have. In transition, they are as good as anybody, and we restricted them to not too much. Probably uh, one chance at the end. At the same time, we tried to attack, we tried to play, it was a really positive, clean sheet performance defensively away from home. We would like three points, of course, but we move forward in a positive way. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's a... It's hard to argue with that. I mean, he's, he's got to say these things, hasn't he? He's not going to say, like, we couldn't score if we played there all night for the rest of the year or whatever. But, I mean, it is worrying that we can't, don't look like we're ever going to score again, mm, yeah. literally. I mean, the, what actually we've had well, quite lucky is uh, obviously Traore was out for a, a couple of weeks beforehand yeah, and didn't so start against that. us and he played 20 minutes against us yeah. and 20-25 minutes even in those 25 minutes he looked you know, they looked to go out to him every time and especially with Burnham being been booked hmm. and yeah we were kind of like coming to backtrack against him hmm. and I mean, he, he is something else, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. I is... mean, last season, they, they didn't really rate him Wolves fans, and obviously this season, he's turned into... Yeah. I mean, we saw at the Amex, he's very difficult to stop. Well, as I was saying to Josh on Friday, we've had we've had a, a period, obviously, under since he's gone to Wolves, where he's clearly improved a bit, and then a lot, and it's yeah. rapidly increased his rate of learning, his rate of improvement. Uh, it's just decision-making, and he's the sort of player that fits into that category of Theo Walcott, yeah. And Wilfred Zaha, actually, and, and Solly March, and all those kind of players who, they've got different physiques, they've got different styles, they've got different temperaments, but they're all ultimately players, those wide yeah. attacking roles. And decision-making in that role is probably as yeah. key as any And that's the difference the between being a, yeah. a, an average Premier League player and being one who kind of goes to yeah. the top team or something. Yeah. Traore, I think, probably is the one of the ones who will go to the yeah. top. Because his final he, ball his, is... Yeah, his final ball, and yeah. he's, just so, he's just so big and strong. He's not like March, who is pretty thin yeah. or... Or even Sahar's not massive, you know. Whereas Traore, it's, it's like huge, and he just kind of like brush it. Even like Dan Byrne finally struggled to like kind of compete with him on like shoulder mm. to shoulder. I think also I was listening to a podcast and I didn't quite catch the full details of it as I was doing something else at the time. But I think they were saying he, he's eligible for Mali or Spain. Yeah, I read that. And he as well. hasn't played for either. Firstly, that's amazing. <laughs> Why hasn't he been snapped up? By, I guess you maybe, thought well, maybe he wanted to make Marley offered him, and he decided not to at the time. Or yeah, and then he's playing playing his cards close to his chest, hoping for Spain, maybe. But 
He's definitely got an international future. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to see any team not wanting him. He's I mean, just so destructive. Mar- Marley apparently have a talented bunch of players coming through as a generation. So I, I would like, as a neutral, I would like yeah, to see him play yeah. for Marley and see what, what they, they could do. Because yeah. they've not really done anything in World Cups. They've obviously done certain amounts in African Cup of Nations tournaments. I think they got to a semi-final a couple of, year, couple of tournaments yeah. ago. But... You know, they, they, this is clearly a golden generation for them, and it maybe doesn't last for too long, as we yeah. know with England. <laughs> well, it didn't last, it didn't at, last all, at all, England, really. Yeah. <laughs> but um, wouldn't it be nice to see him play yeah. well, maybe, I, I guess? Because Spain is... I, I'm not even Boring. sure he'd fit Spain, really. On the other hand, I think Spain maybe lacks someone like him, mm. in some senses. You know, maybe having someone yeah. a bit different who rather doesn't play the tippy-tappy, kind of like pass it around, who actually does take the ball and just runs with mm. it. Because he and is direct, isn't he? Yeah. His decision making is definitely better. And there was a game, I think it was a week or two ago, where he was one on one with a guy, and he was trying to show him um, inside, so he could go outside. He wasn't having it, so Triori went outside anyway and still got a cross in, and it didn't yeah. seem feasible he could get the cross in. I don't know if there was any culpability for the defender there, but and the ball was dangerous going across. Yeah. I think it might have actually been this weekend's game. I can't remember. They've, they've got a they've got a head of a. Options up front as well. I mean, yeah. Yotta and yeah. Hippiemanes and um, Neves in midfield. You know, they've yeah. got they've got some really quality players right. there. We mentioned the the rarity of us having an unchanged team. Wolves have had quite a few unchanged teams this season. Yeah. They've only played with eighteen players this season, uh, which yet, is very lucky. Lucky with injuries, of course, but they've got a small squad. Yeah. So I don't know if um, you preempt it by having a small squad, you get lucky. I don't know. I don't think so. I think you just happen to get lucky. Just and get you, lucky. Kind of, yeah. you have a couple of injuries. You're in, you know, obviously they're pretty good enough to stay up, but they don't. But the merit do of, of well. doing it is 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 there for all to see. People are talking about resting players, and someone needs a break. Cody's played every minute of every game for Wolves. And it's, it's funny with all their foreign imports. Players like Cody and Doherty were players. I remember the Wolves fans saying they weren't good enough for the championship, and you know, look at them now. You know, it's yeah. like I mean, I remember looking at Billy Sharp um, yeah. a couple of seasons ago and thinking. Well, didn't he die at the Amex in like the first, That's right, of course he first did. game at the Amex? It was a terrible injury, yeah. Apparently he died. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he looked like a jobbing striker coming towards the end of his career in the Championship, not particularly pulling up trees. Yeah. Then they go on a good run, they go, they go up, and now he's, he's finally... Well, Norwood his, as well. And Norwood, yeah. Didn't, that didn't particularly look that stand out in Championship. No, he looked tidy, but he didn't look anything special. Yeah. No one particularly questioned it when he wasn't kept on and we were... Yeah, he's one of them. If we'd have kept him on for the first Premier League season, people would have been like, oh, we're not showing ambition probably or whatever. Or Yeah, he's one of those so. sort of players. And it just proves that you just never know really with those sort of things. Um, again, just speaking about the, uh, the post-match reaction to the Wolves game... Skipper Dunk, this is reported on the uh, Argus, probably their interview, um, says that they need to use the performance against Wolves as a platform to build on. He said, we will, we will see if it is a good point at the end of the weekend, obviously referring to the fact that there's still a game tonight, yeah. actually, which we'll be reporting on a bit later, Villa playing away at Leicester on the Monday night game. Um, anyway, Dunk says, but we worked hard out there and we got a clean sheet, which we haven't done for a long time. This um, is a basis to work off and as long as we do that, we will be doing all right. We just need to be a bit more positive at times. But we are in a pos- we're in a position now where we have got to pick up points and it's obviously going to be difficult at times. It was nice to get a good uh, point away from home. Um, he then went on to say um, they're both difficult places to go in reference to the recent games against Sheffield United and Wolves. A uh, bit of a cliche, that difficult place to yeah. go. Go and mention something about that a bit later. Anyway, um, he said they're both tough, tough places. Um, 
and they're doing well in the league at the right end. Wolves are doing very well in the Europa League and as well as that, as, as that are a, a top side. It was a hard place to come, but we dealt with it well. Albion showed a lot of fight and got the points, etc. Um, we have shown that all season. I don't think there is one performance where we haven't shown our fight or we haven't given our all. I'll ask you if you agree with that in a moment, Peter. Um, if we didn't give our all, um, then the gaffer, the management team and the playing staff would be the first to admit it and there would be words said. We can't ask more, for more than that and if we, um, if we keep doing that until the end of the season we will be okay. Um, he also said in relation to Traore, who we've just been talking about, we have seen it all season. He is a monster. <laughs> he is quick and he is powerful. He is always going to be a tough opponent, especially when you consider Dan, obviously talking about Dan Byrne, had played 70 minutes, was blowing, and then had one of the quickest players in the Premier League coming on against him. Dan did a good job against him, and he didn't create too much. Just to add to that as well, Dan Byrne was on a yellow from quite early in the game. So an extra whammy there on that one. Um, what do you make of that, Peter? Would you agree? I mean, there's nothing particularly... Controversial, I suppose. There, I agree. We've had two very good away performances, Sheffield United and, and Wolves. I would say they've been more than cancelled out by the Palace game. Yeah. Because um, we've beaten Palace and lost away to Sheffield United and Wolves, we'd be one point better off now. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I don't agree that we've. I agree that it was both two good points on their own isolation, but in between, we've lost a home game and we had to win. Mm. So I mean, I'd rather have lost those two and one yeah. one against Palace. Yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of, you know, it's. It, in isolation, I agree with it. In yeah, the the problem is we're not winning our home get our winnable home games, hmm. and also if we can beat Arsenal, then it becomes a very good point because if we can get four points from two games, that'd be brilliant. If we lose to Arsenal again, or it drops back again, and we've like pulled ourselves right back into trouble even more so. So it's a lot comes down to this weekend. Really, it's a huge game. We're not playing in the three weeks after it. Yeah, yeah. And we just need to kind of we need to get well we need to beat Arsenal to be honest. It's it's interesting that um, I mean obviously with someone like Donkey again and, and with Matt Ryan who I'm going to quote in a second, they're defensive minded players and obviously they're going to mm. talk about digging in, fighting, you know, getting the clean sheet, all that stuff. And um, they're also not going to criticise the attacking players who haven't really created yeah, or done exactly. enough. But is there, I think there's there's definitely a parallel with last season, isn't there? We played Wolves at around the same time. We've just come off the back mm. of a bad result, and then. We've redressed the balance. We've set ourselves up and made sure we got a point and a clean sheet, as we did last year. Um, Ryan said, there's plenty of positives. We fought hard, fought well. We were disciplined and professional. We were solid defensively. And I always like that when you can shore things up at the back. When days happen where you don't score and you don't concede at the back either, you can still get something from the game. It was nice to get a point. Um, he said, it's always the first point when preparing for a match. You have to show the competitiveness and you want it more than the opposition, more so than any other aspect of the game. The rest of it flows off that competitive level. If you're in for the fight, you can win your battles, you can win more than the, of the individual duels across the whole 90 minutes. Quite often the team does, um, that does that is going to win the game. As a basis, this is where we need to start and focus on every game and then let everything else come in after that. So it feels like... It just feels like there's a lot of talk about defensiveness in this match. I think they're being, I think they're probably taking, taking, the, taking the, a little bit personally when people saying they're not giving their all, they're not fighting and that sort of thing. There's been obviously probably quite a lot of comments on places that, you know, they're not fighting for the cause, they're not kind of like behind Potter maybe or something like that and they're backing it basically and saying that like, we're fighting, we're giving everything and 
it doesn't hide the fact that we're you know it's, it's a very good clean sheet but it doesn't hide the fact that we've probably done, again for the mm. any number of games recently we've not looked like scoring really I mean you look back we didn't look like scoring Saturday we didn't look like scoring against Palace really I mean yeah. we missed some good chances but we didn't really look like taking them yeah. we Sheffield United we scored from a set piece from when they when they turned off really mm. Watford was an own goal West Ham, although we scored three, were three pretty well, certainly two pretty ridiculous, ridiculous goals, yeah. and then the really good one for Murray. But then, mm. even then, there was like debate about the handball, which was clearly not a handball, but there was debate. You know, Villa was uh, a nice goal, but we, yeah, we were at a different time. Then we were looking more confident at that point. Bournemouth, we scored a late concession. We don't really look like scoring many goals at the mm. moment. Yeah, and we're we're struggling, and it's. It's all very well to say about defensive, but we're not going to we're not going to get set nine points to stay up this season by getting nine draws because we're not going to draw City, we're not going to draw Liverpool, we're not going to draw Leicester away probably, mm. you know. So we we need to win some games. We've got to score some goals to do that. And but if we got five draws and a win, for example, yeah, that could be enough. Yeah, mm. although it'd be tight, thirty-seven, I think, mm. with a good goal difference, it might be enough. Yeah, certainly thirty-eight might be enough. I mean, last season, we... but we've got to get that win, which means we've got to score a goal or. We did do that last season, didn't we? Dunk in and just, just scraped this, that and the other and just got Didn't get any win in that though, Precious, though. Yeah. We had the wins already at that point. Mm. We kind of just yeah. got three points. Um, well, um, the, the other um, reference I was going to make was to do, just finally on the Wolves subject uh, for a couple of minutes, was to talk about McAllister. We mentioned him earlier. He came on on around 80 minutes uh, for Solly March, I think, wasn't it? Well, it was a double sub, I think, wasn't it, yeah. at the time. Um, so finally, we've got to see the man. Well, you have. I've sort of seen him on the stream, buffers aside. But um, could you take anything from that? Because there was one good delivery in the box. So and there was one through. poor one at the end where he went straight to the keeper yeah. as well. But he looked That's quite that. composed. He looked, yeah, he I mean, looked at ease. As much as you can take it for 10 minutes, I don't think yeah. it's really... I, I was surprised they brought him on. It wasn't the obvious time to bring him on when Wolves were possibly trying to like push forward a bit more. And yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he didn't do badly. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything particularly great either, I don't think. There's a lot of hype online that McAllister looked great and he should have he should start the next game and I was like, I don't really understand that he just on for ten minutes, didn't really do anything noticeable, he just kind of hit a couple of nice touches. Yeah, didn't do anything wrong, but you know, I think he should start against Arsenal because I think we we need something that we haven't had for a while and he's the one unpredictable one who could be the difference. But I wouldn't say he needs to start against Arsenal based on 10 minutes of a game at Wolves. Yeah, yeah. It seems ridiculous. That's fair enough. Just a couple of quick things uh, before we round off the first part of this podcast. Um, Certainly Dunk had mentioned it, and Ryan also, about uh, McAllister. Uh, Ryan's quote was, he was bright when he came on. His delivery around set pieces was good as well. He asked questions of their defence. He got on the ball and showed a nice bit of composure, calmness, and he picked out his pass as well. There were some really good signs moving forward. Um... He also then went on to say, "You have to have the outlook of. Um, we have had success against top teams this season, but at the end of the day, you need to get points. Yeah. You saw Watford last weekend against Liverpool. Every point, whoever it comes against, is important. Uh, so it was nice that we made a little step with the draw, but we have got to continue working hard in order to find the three points. Yeah, and I and I agree, and I think actually we might have had a chance against the likes of Arsenal and Man U than we do against yeah, at I home I, against Palace and New, you know, and teams like that who sit back and sit yeah. deep. I fancy us this weekend against Arsenal. I was hoping to get some mates on Arsenal fans. I had mm. five possible options. None of them could make that it. That shows how scared they are about the game. Exactly, it must be that. They're it bottling be. it already. You but know. We, if we do that, I mean, you know, we, if we get the win against Arsenal, that's that's our Watford v Liverpool. Yeah. I know it's not as a good an achievement, but, but it's our it's, well, I mean, version we, of the unexpected. We basically probably need nine points and we've got to get 
probably two wins, three draws, yeah. and four so defeats. If we, and that's, if we get three just like that, yeah, then that'll be huge. That would and, be a, a big proportion. And a double over Arsenal, which would be amazing. Which would be. I one may yet just comment on that on Facebook because yeah. uh, all my Arsenal supporting mates here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, and I have got... I was very good when we went away to them. I didn't mention it at all. I have got um, one mate who said he he couldn't make this week, but he said he would come next week uh, for, but he for may not a review. Have yeah. We'll see if he turns up. We'll see. And a few others besides. So, um, yeah, we might get some Arsenal guys on to hear their perspective of uh, the match and the season so far later on, but we'll see. The other quick point I was going to make, just in conclusion about the Wolves game, man of the match. I think Dunk had a very good game. I think... Um, Fair to say, other players besides, for me, and for seventy eight percent of the Os, uh, the Argus voters, uh, was uh, a certain Mister Basuma, who seems to be consistently playing to a better level. Or his performance stats are better than they were as well. Uh, what was your take from having been at the game itself? I completely agree with it. Um, yeah. I thought he did really well at Sheffield United, having got booking quite early on, yeah. a little bit of harsh booking early on uh, to not get into trouble but also play really well Palace I thought he was back dropped a little bit level wise as everyone did I think probably yeah. but Saturday yeah, I thought he was the best player on the pitch by a mile yeah. he um, he broke up play about about six seven times when we were like looking a bit dangerous they were looking a bit dangerous and he broke up play and won the ball cleanly and he, he got you know he had a couple of shots where maybe he might have passed but he at least tried whereas a lot of the time we were mm. passing it back and forth across the box and yeah, Basuma looks like he's definitely coming a yeah you know, more he's regular. He's definitely getting a more mature player, isn't he? He was, yeah. he, he was looking for the right uh, potential danger elements. Wasn't yeah. he? he was seeing seeing danger and snuffing it out. Elements of Conte that sort of yeah. Kind of just, just so I, I was really impressed with him yesterday. He he played really well. It's about, arguably his best game for us. Yeah, it's about reaction time, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you see the danger early and react early. I think that's the other key, is sort of the reaction. Unlike our other midfielders in midfield, he's got real pace. Yeah. None of the other ones. I mean, I really like Proper. I think he's one of probably our best player, I'd say, arguably. Yeah. But he's not got any, he's not really got pace. He's just kind of like, he glides maybe yeah. past players, but he's not going to take you on and run past you and then beat you for, yeah. completely beat you for speed, whereas Basuma has that. And yeah. Actually, I think those two work quite well as a combination. Yeah. And I'd like to see Alzate alongside them and with Moya yeah, at that yeah, yeah, moment. Yeah. The three of them together would I be mean, really good. I think it's going to be so crucial this season, just... Purely in the yeah. footballing sense, there's I can see so much potential. There's, there's a lot that could happen if we can nick, if we if can we get, get through, another striker yeah. to compete mm. with Mel Pay or, or play well inside him or whatever, and, and get goals and maybe one more creative player or McAllister turns out to be good. We could be yeah. a really yeah. and also Trossard. I mean, he showed a lot of quality when early in the season. He lost his way a bit, but I mean, he he's got obviously the ability there's, as well. There's a couple of moments in that game on Saturday where he really yeah. really looked tenacious and, and, the, he and the, had that. It's easy quality. to forget. Palace, he was a bit anonymous at times, but he, that brilliant ball to March should have been an yeah. assist. I mean, it was such if he'd a... played that ball to Morpé in yeah. the Wolves game, boom, here we yeah. go. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? He just put too much on that. But Basuma, I think, has got a bit of swagger to yeah. it. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to say it now. We'll talk about the uh, the Arsenal game later. But I have a prediction for you, Peter. I think Basuma is going to score from range with a spectacular goal. On Saturday. I will be delighted if you're right. <laughs> and with that, we're going to pause for the end of part one. We will join you after we've refilled these suspiciously empty glasses uh, in a short while. So I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, so welcome back to part two of Brighton Rock, the podcast. Sponsored by Seagulls Over London, Peter. Looking Indeed. forward to our next meeting on the 25th of March. Looking forward yeah. to it. Albion Royal guys coming up. That should be good. That should be good. Let's do the chinking of glasses again. 
but no touching of fingers. It's coronavirus city around here, you know. No, no handshakes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just, just uh, resuming from what we were talking about at the end of the last part, one final point on the Basuma side of things. Um, there was a quote from uh, head coach Graham Potter, who said, he has had to be patient this season, but recently he has been doing really well, training really well. I thought it was probably his best performance. This is the Wolves game, obviously. Uh, certainly his best that I've seen. He won a lot of balls back, and physically he is in a good place at the moment. He will get better and better the more he plays. He shows the discipline and quality, so I'm really pleased for him. Um, what do you think? Hard to disagree with any of that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the best game he's had for us. I've certainly I've seen, hmm. including last season. Um, I thought Basuma actually at the start of the season would be one of the ones who, you know, Potter came along with his reputation of like developing young players, hmm. and I thought he would be one of the ones who really would. And he obviously had a bit of an injury at the start of the season and didn't quite get into the team for a while, but he's certainly showing signs. Certainly the last two away games, he's been brilliant. Arguably our best player. If I don't think I think unarguably our best player, or you can't argue with our best player on Saturday. He was the best player on the pitch by a distance. Hmm. Um, less good against Palace, I thought, but then I think everyone probably was overall. So yeah. yeah, very, very promising. Ironically, the two players I thought would benefit from him, the other one I thought was Bernardo, and obviously he hasn't really. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So, shows how much I know. Yeah, you never, never know, do you? Um, well, in other matters, uh, other news, uh, Malumbi, Jason Malumbi, he's got a new deal till 2023. Um, what do you think? Pretty good, good pretty good I mean, move, you can't really, I mean, it's not bad, no way it can be bad news. He's done obviously very well in championship if, the worst comes to the worst and we stay up and he won't think he's up to it. He'll get, we'll get a, a lot of money, probably a championship in a couple of years' time. Mm. If, if the best comes, he'll be good for us in Premier League. And if we go down this year, I've no doubt he'll be a regular next season for us. If we stay up, he may even be even then. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think there's any way that could be bad news. Yeah, it's a sensible move all round. And, yeah. you know, as you said, if, if, if it works out, he, he's, he's on the books for the longer term. If it's not... You know, we'll, we'll get money we'll get the championship money, yeah. team for him, yeah. I would say. So we've clearly you know. seen him to a certain degree and realised he's got some monetary value. Oh, he definitely yeah, or, he's or, or football. Also, a very good season at Millwall yeah. from the sound of it. So. Yeah. So good news there. Twenty three. The interesting I, thing happens, of course, is that we go down and Millwall somehow nick a nick through the playoffs no. and get him a go up. It's possible. Which is unlikely, but possible. It'd be a gutter, wouldn't it? Because that'd be a brilliant season to be in the Premier League with Millwall, because mm. <laughs> they're, they're, they're bound to be one of the teams going down. But, but also whether they he wants to serve for them permanently. But. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think we'd let him. But if we, you know, he might be a. Similarly, of course, with Ben White, that would be a bit of a worry, wouldn't it? I think Ben White is probably more of a worry because mm. yeah. Leeds obviously have a bit more, um, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty more of a Premier League side, and also Ben White's been a bit more high profile. Yeah. Personally, I think Ben White won't go. To, I think don't think we'll send to Leeds, but we'll send him to probably someone else if we go mm. go down. Yeah. And maybe if we stay up. Yeah. Under twenty three, still going well. I didn't catch the results of the on Friday night, but uh, I think they beat. Didn't they beat Derby? Like four one or something, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, like the week before, or was, was that, that last week? week? It was recent, anyway. Well, they've been doing pretty well still. Thumbs up to them. Um, coronavirus, never heard of it. Don't know what that is. Yeah, any idea? Is it under twenty three or not? Or? <laughs> well, it could be our player of the season, yeah. couldn't it? Potentially. I still think own goals at the moment. I go for. He's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, it was. Yeah, he's, he's been very fire. impressive. Second top scorer, not made a mistake all season. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. You can question own goals. I'm voting for him, and I'll be furious if he's not yeah. involved in the poll. Uh, and, you know, but there we go. I'll be writing to Paul Barber in disgust. <laughs> yeah. But on a serious matter with coronavirus, what do you think about? Uh, are there connotations here? Do you reckon? Obviously, games could end up getting played by closed, I mean, closed doors. Which yeah, is a minefield in itself. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's 
it's hard to see it not impacting it somewhere. They've just an, announced, literally, I think while we're on air, that Serie A games are cancelled until mm. 3rd of April, having already been behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, how you deal with teams having games they've got to replay after the season, that sort of thing, is... Mm. It's, that's an absolute minefield because while people won't accept, you know, be upset if if someone relegates someone by winning like three weeks after the other team has played or something like that, that's going to be a real problem. Similarly, if you have a big relegation battle and you have to play at behind closed doors when you're at home, you know, yeah. that's obviously not going to be a you know a yeah, great thing. There's so, disadvantages, isn't but there? I mean, frankly, in in you know comparison to the whole condition, I suppose it's you know, football's pretty irrelevant. Mm. So it's like it depends how you look at it, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's you know. I mean, there's, there's certain paradoxes. There's, for example, Wolves. There's talk of, um, I think there's a game that's been cancelled already for the Europa League, and there's talk about Wolves game at Olympiakos is subject to debate. I think today. I think it's been confirmed now. It's been behind closed doors. Oh, it is right. Yeah. So they've got a thousand tickets sold for that game. Wolves fans. Aren't those Wolves fans just going to go to Greece anyway, and therefore be in large crowds? Well, I suppose it depends. Well, they've just literally gone for the game. They probably wouldn't do. But if they've gone, we've got to spend two or three days. I mean, I obviously wouldn't mm. go there just for the game. I'd probably, probably choose to go there, mm. you know, kind of Wednesday evening and come back Saturday morning or something, <laughs> or Friday evening or something like that. In which case, you might just do it anyway, although, because Greece isn't really impacted by it. So it's more a matter of whether they let you in, because kind of, Greece yeah. hasn't really had any cases yet. Yeah. But if you just go for the game, I'm probably not, I suppose, is the answer. Why would you go for a three-hour flight or whatever... Stay there for like six hours or eight hours or whatever it would be, and then go back home yeah. again. It could be a complete minefield, though, couldn't it? But the whole thing about connotations yeah. of finances and refunds and who pays what for. You know. Yeah, and whether they even get refunds for something yeah. like this, you know, regarded as a act of God almost, you yeah. know, kind of. Well, you and I are both going to Norwich. You're, well, you're going away yeah. for four days anyway, so you're doing the whole thing anyway. Yeah. But I'm going up on the day, I've got train tickets there and back, got the match tickets out of pocket. I guess, you know, you you can't complain I'm assuming a match ticket has to be refunded I don't think there's any yeah. way if they don't allow you in they have to refund you hmm. there's no way ooh Leicester are one up ooh breaking news as we speak Leicester although just... not while you're listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah as we're recording Leicester you can tell gone... we're literally live here <laughs> Leicester have gone one nil up Peter's keeping an eye on my second phone which I normally use for drug deals and affairs and it's uh, Mr Barnes has scored that's um, not Harvey actually. Barnes yeah uh, 40 minutes. Uh, I don't know if that's subject to VAR or it's confirmed completely. I don't know. Who knows? But fantastic news. Well, Leicester may not have scored. Yeah, who knows? We, we need this. We need this. <laughs> um, Sorry about that for the interruption. Yeah, that's quite all right. So coronavirus, there, there we are. We'll have to see what Obviously, happens. Harvey Barnes doesn't got it at the moment. No, absolutely. Um, I think um, apparently Mike Riley's in self-isolation. Did you hear about that? No. Um, it's only because he... Um, Thought he may have had contact with somebody, and he's, he's just as precautionary. So hopefully I mean, he's okay. Honest, he have to, it's probably better for Mike Wright to be in self isolation generally, to be honest. <laughs> Given his yeah, a refereeing in the old days, and b his decisions as like head of the referees, like I'll cross him into the box, Peter. You nod him in. <laughs> Maybe he <laughs> can stay in self isolation permanently, <laughs> without, you know, even without anything else. <laughs> even for his family. But um, anyway, there we go. There's there's one matter. Another matter. VAR. It keeps coming up. I chatted with Josh about this on Friday. Um, I think it was on Friday. Uh, Seferin, the UEFA head, was talking about it. I mean, he sounds like he's making the right vibes to me. He, he sounds like a guy who's quite thoughtful about football. He's saying he thinks VAR very much needs some adaption. Um, certain protocols need to be changed. He's talking about the thickness of the lines. A, should be increased because yeah. he thinks it will help. And B, 
is stating that there's nothing in the rules that says it can't be changed as it is. Um, so in other words, IFAB that write the rules have, have, don't have anything in their, yeah. in their rule book that says you cannot absolutely have thicker lines. So we could introduce right now a thicker line policy for the offside, which I think would actually help and make clearer the rule. Seferin's also cited the offside rule in general needs to be adapted. Um, because you've got this, this crystallised over-analytical element now, which is called VAR, where people are focusing in on the tiniest details, you have to be more precise with the rules yeah. and adaptable with it. And I think there's some changes to be had there. Interestingly, he was also saying he thinks that the handball rule is problematic, to quote, and that it's the subject of constant discussion. So in fairness to them, they're obviously aware there is an mm. issue with it. It needs changing. Something needs to be changed. Do you agree with that? And what, if so, what do you think needs to change? I mean, overwhelmingly, something needs to change. I think offside is the biggest problem with VAR. I don't, itself, I think it should be back to daylight between a player and yeah. between players. 100%. If you're just saying that a toe is offside or whatever, or like, like with Dan Burns had a couple of times this season, it's ridiculous. Um, in which case, especially when you're talking about you can't quite get natural screens up anyway in terms of like balls mm. played and then. So I think that's the definite. What I think is interesting is it hasn't been offside so it's been controversial the last few weeks. Yeah. Saturday, yeah. I mean, how on earth did it Peter Walson was it the referee, the, yeah. the VAR official, managed to miss a blatant shove on the back from um, Wilson on uh, uh, Gomez, Gomez, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not VAR's fault. That's no. incompetent refereeing. I mean, that's not yeah, my, the fault of any... My point is that refereeing has been appalling the season. And when I say refereeing... I'm including the VAR yeah. refs because they are refs and, and ultimately and in the end that's all they are. If, so seven out of ten, nine times out of ten, not nine times fifty, if you get another VAR referee watching that back, the same the same view, they will give a foul. And I don't understand how on earth a, a, a VAR official can sit there, watch a clear replay of that, and mm. not see that was a shove in the back. Yeah. I mean, I can understand how with all the kind of pushing and shoving the referee missed it, that's fine. But the whole point was the referee was missing these, so he brought VAR in. Mm. And so, Lo Celso's um, non-red card yeah, the other way. and the Sheffield United one, yeah. and the two handballs against Bournemouth. All, all of them weren't VAR's fault. No, that's they, they were the referee, decisions. Yeah, they were the decisions of, they were a combination of the rules of the game and the refereeing decisions. Yeah. The only difference with VAR is it's a referee who's got more time to think. So it should so be more accurate. It should be more accurate, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do agree with VAR because it does, I think it does buy referees a bit of time. It gives them time to... Yeah compose themselves to have an excuse to yeah. defer to something it give, I, I don't have a problem with that in general as long as it doesn't go to four minutes and by the way five minutes after Leicester's goal was announced it's still showing as 1-0 yeah. on my screen so even by Arsenal West Ham <laughs> my, my, my big issue with VAR in offside terms is the linesmen seem to not bother doing their job anymore so we get the whole kind of Brighton the luckiest team in the league because they get the VAR decisions well one of those was David Luiz being five yards offside at a free kick I think you and might have somehow, mentioned this before, yeah. Pete. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, that's the my, my stance. So my, 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 reason, my logic behind this is, linesmen still do what they should have done all along. They put their flag up. The referees and players are told to ignore them mm. until, the t until the whistle blows. Yeah, it's, it's not working and well the, as it is, is and it? And then if they have their flag up, then the decision then becomes, you know, kind of like cricket with, uh, with LBWs, the, the, the on-field decision is offside or onside, and then if they can prove it's wrong, it's, it's overturned. If they can't, if it's not conclusive either way, they stick with what's on field. And that's how they, how they do it. Like LW, umpires call, they go with linesman's call. 
And otherwise, because otherwise you get like the free, you know, as I've, seen, I've said before, obviously, if Ryan saves that like, Louise shot and then Arsenal score from the corner, it's a goal because they don't go back that far. Yeah. Because the linesman basically stood there, watched the line, seen that Louise is five yards offside, but for some unknown reason not put his flag up. Yeah. When it's that clear cut, you should just flag it yeah. anyway, shouldn't you? But I, I think they should be flagging either way. I think they should flag either way and players are just told, ignore them. Don't, unless the referee blows his whistle... You, you don't stop, you don't ca- you carry on, and then there is an on-field decision, and then you can base it on that. So the, and so that's the set decision that you have to overturn. So the flag is just there for informational reasons yeah, for exactly. the referee. So he doesn't react to it, yeah. he lets play go. And so if it's 50-50, they mm. stick with the on- on-field decision, yeah. because they're the person, when I mean, all said and done, with the best view, if, mm. they're, if they're doing their job right, they're the person with the view along the line for an offside. Mm. That's... yeah. And then the handball rule should go back to being the same for attacking and defending. I mean, it's ridiculous they've got different rules. And the other thing is... For, just, for the two of them. Just allowing an overall not to be a problem as well, because Josh was talking with Josh about this, and he was saying uh, the, the pride of a referee shouldn't overall the no. cruciality of getting the decision right, in, especially in major games. If it's a cup final or a deciding match on the final weekend of a season in a relegation battle or whatever it is, you don't want one decision to be a, a matter of refs are sticking up for themselves yeah. it should be getting the right decision with no, nobody expects the referee to get everything right all the time, now we've got VAR we can help them to get the right decisions yeah. and there's nothing wrong with the ref having got it wrong yeah. ultimately oh exactly, I mean the, the decision um, in our game, Sheffield United for example yeah. The you know you could see why it looked like Dunkey and their player went in at the same time and yeah. you could see from from my view watching live I was a bit like oh has he got in a bit too much there or you know wasn't quite sure but then you watch it on TV and it's clearly a red card for for Lundstrom I think it was wasn't it mm. yeah. and I don't understand how they didn't overrule that same as they obviously didn't overrule Celso as well yeah yeah so there we go well in other news just to conclude international call ups first of all Alzate has been called up with a provisional squad yeah. for Colombia. A 34-man provisional squad. If he gets into the final selection, there's um, games against Venezuela and Chile, I think it is. Um, His previous two games have been against South Americans as well. Peru on his debut as a sub. And I think he started against... I can't remember who it was now. uh, Ecuador, I think. Or the other way around. So he's looking like he's going to be involved in that. Maybe not a big deal, because he hasn't been featuring too much no, recently. Another one who I feel has been harshly done by. Right? True, true. And um, over in the Asia and Middle Eastern sector of the world, coronavirus has dictated. So, subject to change, FIFA have temporarily put on hold the games for March in this international window and June. Yeah, which is a long way ahead. To kind which is a long way ahead, yeah. Um, four games, two pairs of games. So this affects Aaron Moy and Matty Ryan for Australia, who have two pairs of games scheduled in March and two in June. And uh, Jahanbach, another player who I think deserves more time than he's had uh, for Iran. Again, two matches in March, two matches in June. So uh, a number of our players possibly not being uh, well involved in internationals due to the coronavirus. We'll see what happens with that. Which is obviously good news short term in terms of mm. March, but not necessarily longer term. So they've got to play those four games sometime. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're going to end up with like three games in an international break or something like mm. ridiculous like that. Yeah. Quickly moving on, uh, very quickly on this as well. Graham Potter, last week there was a poll on North Stand Chat 
uh, saying, are you happy with Potter? Do you want him in house or whatever? 60% of the time when I checked the results, which I think was a day or two after the Palace game, 60% said they were in favour of him staying, 20% didn't know, whatever that means, and 20% said they wanted him out. Uh, first of all, your view? I think at the moment, staying. Yeah. And if we did go down, would you still be saying that? Yeah, I think so, just about. I think there'd be enough change in the summer if we went down anyway. I think we yeah. should probably stick by him, I'd give him at least six months in the Championship and see how it goes. Hmm. And then you've gained, then hopefully you're not going to go down. Hopefully you've then got you know, time, if it, if it hasn't gone right, to then bring someone in and rebuild for the next season, which is the second season of parachute payments. Yeah, yeah. And um, again, speaking with Josh, he's, uh, he's of the same mind as us. Um, in terms of, he made the good point as well, that if we did get rid of Potter, say if we went down, um, that takes away quite a bit of our parachute money in payoffs, probably, mm. because he's on a long contract. Um, we've bought into the longer term. I do think he's the right man for the job, even if we go down. So I, I would be in favour of keeping him anyway. But from a financial mm. point of view, that's a good point, isn't it, as well? Yes, but I mean, if you if you don't think he's the right man for the job, I mm. I think... Yeah, that should override yeah, any other Because, I mean, you, considerations. you can spend £10 million less in the market or whatever you pay him and his team off. And get if you've got the right manager as compared to one you don't think is right, mm. yeah. then you'll do a lot better, even if you spend less money in the transfer market. Mm. So I, I don't think that necessarily should override... But yes, it's a, it's a fair point to pay him off a lot, but I don't think it's a... Yeah, yeah, fair I don't enough. think it's a... Um, it's something to just override all other concerns, as yeah. we say. And with the loans, we've, we've been promising to do a loan watch part two. We covered a few things uh, a few weeks ago. Knockart, I think we mentioned. Uh, obviously, we talked about Ben White, and we talked about Malumbi, who's, who's just got this new uh, renewal deal. Uh, I think we mentioned Kyle coming back in, two or three other players... Uh, what else do we know now, Peter? You've been well. We've, I've been keeping an eye on Malumbi. Uh, he scored a goal, but then he didn't score the goal on uh, Friday night. Uh, Matt Smith was accredited with a hat trick. The middle one of those three goals basically was a Malumbi mm. shot that came off the inside of his leg, which I think is technically the right decision, but in essence, very very unlucky for him. However. He had already been celebrating this new contract that he's got until 2023. But in essence, he shouldn't be worried about that. He should be thinking, I've made a key part in a goal. True, true, exactly. One of my teammates. And, yeah. uh, you know. and in an interview at the end of the uh, game with, with Matt Smith, he came across pretty well. He seemed quite affable and relaxed about it. Uh, he's doing pretty well, though, isn't he? Would you say? Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, he's a obviously a very promising midfielder and hopefully, yeah, will make a hmm. make a big difference to um, eventually to our, to our team, hopefully, in the end. I mean... There's a, we've got quite a few central midfielders coming through with him, obviously Nalzate and uh, mm. is obviously still quite young. Yeah. Uh, Baluta obviously in, in, in Holland now. Mm. You know, so kind of uh, some quite... Yeah, and Baluta seems to be doing okay. And how about the others? Well, Sanchez, one of the goalies who's on loan to Rochdale, he's got a new deal. I think that was a maybe... Three years a, as well, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Same deal as Mullenby, but a week or two earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, by all accounts, he's doing very well. Walton, we've mentioned before yeah. as well. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer for Walton because I think I'm right in saying that he, Button, and Steele have all got a year left on their deals. Oh, right. So what they do, either if, if we stay up or we go down, will be interesting to see. Hmm. You know, kind of in terms of who they prioritise out there. Because I mean, I can't believe well, they're certainly not going to renew it. Give him out alone again without renewing his contract. Hmm. So it's a matter of what happens then, and he's having a very good year for Blackburn. So. Hmm. 
Um, what else is happening loan-wise? I mean, we, we, uh, Victor Jokeres and uh, Leo Ostergaard both played for St. Pauli at the weekend in a two-all draw with someone or other, and uh, apparently Jokeres scored, which was... Ah, brilliant. Good, good, good. Good. Um, no more news about Barcelona's interest in... Uh, in Rushworth, Carl Rushworth, Carl Rushworth, yeah. Carl Rushworth, yeah. yeah. No, no more news of that. It's uh, but Worthing is still top of the table, yeah. flying high. But despite so. that, Barcelona maybe have called their interest off. <laughs> Just going it, it's, it's out of their out of their budget. Going back to the St Pauli matter, I'm going to mention it. The Hamburg derby, Peter. You're a Hamburg man. I'm a St Pauli man. How did it go for Hamburg? Oh, well, you know, not so well. Home to their minnow. Not, not so well. Yeah, it was not the greatest day. On that but match. I was pleased that I had to see two Albion Lonies win, so you know it's like yeah, it's, a, it's a balancing act. But I we uh, we're still sitting second in the league, and you're still sitting not second in the league. So, ah, whatever. You know. Probably safe from relegation now. Well, but, you know. Well, Gilcaris didn't play in that game, did he? But Ostergaard Oster- played the full match. I watched the match actually, just in order to hopefully gloat to you and to it's worked His out big well. problem at the moment is that he's like behind about twenty five central defenders mm. we've got. But he, he looked good. He looked quite solid, quite composed, quite. Reassured on the ball, good clearances, decisive decisions, either way around. It's good to make decisive decisions. Yeah, rather than indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> Awful nightmare. The, <laughs> well, one that, the one that we've had quite a few defenders who do that to be honest. <laughs> the one that um, has done pretty well since he's gone as well as uh, Balogun, mm. who uh, seems to have been brilliant at Wigan since he's gone. The interesting yeah. question is if we went down. Do we try and keep him on? Because obviously he's done pretty well at that level. We might lose. We'll probably lose Dunkey. We might well lose White. And if we do, did, we, do we try and keep Belogan on? Maybe we Cheapish do. Cheapish option is like to compete with Byrne and Webster. Maybe we do. Maybe in, those, as well. in those circumstances, I, I think that's a, a, quite a feasible option because yeah. two, two people down. He's obviously doing very well anyway at that level. So mm, yeah. Anyone else catching your eye in the loans at the moment? Clark's doing okay, I think. So. I, mean, I watched Derby against Philip Hoek to go on a Friday night and it was... Clark did okay, looked solid, mm. while Knockart didn't flatter to deceive, as he did a lot in the Premier League, actually, to be honest. So. Yeah, I think he's played more games recently, hasn't he? Yeah, but, maybe not but that, that night he came off after about 70 minutes and Fulham were one down, or 65, and they then improved a lot when they brought a couple of other players on. Yeah. Not both in place of Knockart, because that would be why they improved, but mm. and they were double substitution, and they kind of and they looked a lot better after that. Kamara and uh, someone else came on, and they looked a lot more direct and a lot more... Knockart was doing his classic, kind of like trying to cut in, and if he didn't let him cut in, he didn't really, mm. you know, a lot of what we've seen in the Premier League, but obviously at a level where he's in the past been brilliant, so it's mm. interesting. It's not, I mean, I, I do wonder if we don't, if we go down and Fulham don't go up, what happens with Knockart? Because the rumour at the start of the season was that it was a, a deal, if they, they have to pay us like £4 million on loan and £10 million for a permanent, and if that's true... Do you let him go back to Brighton on the basis that he might actually go back to where he's loved and you know by a lot of loved by a lot of fans, lot of might fans. actually do really well under Potter possibly if he go drop down level he might be sold on but he might do really well or do you suck, pay the six million extra hmm. keep you know with the idea that he probably would be worth you know get they'll get that back anyway and you deprive one of your your probably possibly promotion rivals of. And then a player, a player of knockouts for the team. It's well, an interesting that's, question. That's the interesting bit, isn't it? Assuming so that's the actual deal. The rivals. That's, uh, yeah, because benefiting. Letting from... him come back to us and paying us four million as well. Hmm. It's it's a tricky one. Yeah, isn't it? it's a tricky one. I mean, as much as Potter might not have rated him, you know, in, in Premier League terms or whatever, he might be a lot more keen to have him in yeah. the Championship. I mean. I mean, let's go this last time he played in that division, he was player of the year by a distance for us. Hmm. And also by the lead in the league as well, 15 assists, 15 goals. He was brilliant, so... Hmm. Well, there we go. 
Anyway, we're going to have a, a short break now. Uh, in part three, we have the very exciting moment that is Peter's participation in the new quiz. Josh was our inaugural uh, candidate last week, and he got 11 out of 15. Peter is going to take part in the same quiz. He has no prior knowledge about this quiz. I'm keeping it very secret. And we shall be seeing how he gets on. We'll also be talking about the upcoming Arsenal game. I was hoping to have some mates, Arsenal fans, coming along to join us tonight. None of them can make it. Very disappointing. However, we can badmouth them now because they're not here. And so they, hopefully... They copped out. Copped out. They knew what was going to happen. They did, they did. And hopefully... They've we, known they've not beaten us in four games. I know. And it could be five. I think we're going to win that game. We'll talk about that a little bit I, later. I'm worrying optimistic, which is <laughs> not a good sign. But I, I think, Peter, you need a few minutes to calm your nerves because I can tell you're getting nervous about the quiz. Hand shaking. It really that is shaking, booze, folks. Though. It's shaking. That could be the booze. <laughs> it's definitely the booze and the nerves. <laughs> Join us again in just a moment. So welcome back to part three of Brighton Rock Podcast, sponsored by Seagulls Over London. And here we are, Peter still shaking on the hand front. Although, should he be really? Because just before we started this, and to just warm him up, I gave him the questions for Josh's quiz questions on Friday. Josh scored 11 out of 15, which is a very good score. Not to worry Josh before he listens to the rest of this, if he does, but Peter... On practice, got 13 out of 15 on Josh's questions, without any clues or any help at all. Just saying, Peter wanted me to tell him that, just in case. I'm not, not competitive, though, obviously. They're not competitive. They're not rivals in any way. They get on absolutely <laughs> like a house on fire. Yeah, the houses on fire don't usually go well, do they, to be honest? <laughs> anyway, Peter has his own quiz questions, which he hasn't seen, and which I am proffering before him now. Are you ready, Peter? As ready as I would be. Okay. Just to reiterate for any listeners that didn't hear last week... Uh, I'm now going to fail question. miserably, just to point out. <laughs> Disclaimer time. Um, it's, a, it's a matter of 11 questions, because it sounds like a football number, doesn't it, 11? Um, 11 questions. The first 10 are straight questions. Yes or no. Whatever the, the answer is. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> one point, one point per question. It should be a chat show host. Oh, it should be a show host. It just trips off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> the first, the first ten questions are basically yes or no. The answer. <laughs> first ten questions are ten, answer or no answer. Ten questions. I was going to say. <laughs> but what I was trying to build up to was to say the eleventh question is a who am I question. It's five questions. So it's actually five questions. If you get it on the first clue, you get five points. If you get the second one, four points, etc., etc., all the way down. I'm going to fail miserably at that, this one. I got the last one on the first one, and I'm going to fail miserably this time. <laughs> I've got a nasty feeling still looking at I'm going to get very embarrassed by this round. But Peter's under pressure by his own score on Josh's question. I'm speaking myself. Yeah. You've got to beat 13, never mind Josh's 11. Let's see how we do. Otherwise, everyone at home has to come in Absolutely. And just before we start, quick update on the score. It is still less than one Aston Villa nil. I think it's half-time. It's HD. Is that your first question? Is that, is What's the score at half-time <laughs> in Leicester against Villa? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. <laughs> no, here we go. Right, question number one, for real. Are you ready, Peter? Here we go. Both hands are shaking now. How many Premier League doubles have been inflicted on Albion this season? As Zero. Was... Correct. Question number two. Which German club play their home games at the Tor Stadion? I'll give you a clue. So then you have to say the question again. Yeah. Um, which German club play their home games at the Milan Tor Stadion? It's not St. Pauli, is it? 
<laughs> it is, yeah. You knew, didn't you? <laughs> That's why I was just checking if you said Bundesliga or not. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it must be some power. I was even going to tell you it, it wasn't Bundesliga, but I thought that would have been too much of a clue. He's on two out of two. That was one of the ones I anticipated him getting wrong, listeners. Oh, dear. I knew you too well there. I, like, <laughs> I sensed it. It's a, it's a natural advantage you've got here. Right, question number three. Billy Gilmore made his full league debut for Chelsea at the weekend. But who was the last Scot to start a Premier League game for Chelsea? Oh, that's nasty. It goes back a while. It is nasty. Yeah, I agree with you. I have an answer, but I'm trying to work out there's someone more since then. uh... Give yourself a few moments, but go with your instinct if you can't think of anything else in the meantime. That's my advice. I don't have anyone else. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Steve Clark. You are absolutely right. Three out of three. That's very impressive. That's another one I had you down for not getting right. <laughs> so well done, Peter. Three out of three. How do you feel so far? Still a little bit nervy. I'm going to, to miss an open goal somehow. I'm going to solid march it and miss an open goal. This is the problem with this. You're going to get some embarrassing yeah. lack of knowledge exposed to the airwaves. It's not going to be good, is it? Right. Question four. Which EFL team are known as the Silkmen? Macclesfield. Yeah, you're right again. He knows his stuff. Four out of four, gentlemen and ladies. Which National League Premier Division team play at Holker Street? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I've not heard of that one. Which means it's somewhere I've not been to. Yeah. Which cuts out half the league. That's the way to do it. Um, elementary, my dear Watson. It's not elementary. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one I think I'm going to get wrong. Um, Just to repeat the question for the listeners while you're thinking. So which National League Premier Division team play at Holker Street? So I'm going through, I'm going to go, I think it might be one of the ones at the top just because that might be one of the reasons you pick them, and which means it's, I'm going to either go for Barrow or Harrogate and I'm going to go for Barrow at the top. <laughs> You know me too well. This is this is awful. You're right again. Yeah, that's spot on. Well played, Peter. Very good. Five out of five. I have to say this is Premier League quality so far. Can you keep it up? We're Probably halfway. Not. <laughs> We're halfway through the regular ten questions. Um, now here's here's another one. The third part of this is based on within the year, so it's not going to be the exact date. But just keeping in mind year by year. The question is. Which club is older, Crystal Palace, Brighton, or neither? Meaning they were formed in the same year. So it's a Palace older, a Brighton older, or were they formed in the same year? I should know this is the one of the elementary ones. You know half of this. This is the elementary one, I should know this. Yeah. So Brighton formed, you know when Brighton formed. Yeah, I know exactly when Brighton yeah. formed, yeah. So. Um, I, I don't know when Palace were. I you know have literally what? no idea. Until I came across, stumbled across this a couple of years ago, I didn't realise. I hadn't thought about it. At I'm going to say, purely because, again, I'm not sure you'd ask it if it was the other way around, Brighton. You're right, again, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. 1901 Brighton, 1905 Crystal Palace. Brighton in June the 24th, 1901. Palace was somewhere in September. 1905. Four years behind us. Yeah, exactly. They are, I can now say, and this is the main reason I put this question on, our smaller, littler brothers. Pipe down, boys. 5,000 less capacity. Yeah, you might build your monstrosity extension, but we're going to do one of those as well. 
We're older, we're wiser, we're better, yeah. we're bigger. Um, somehow I didn't think you'd ask those questions the other way around. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which is why I went for the answer I did. <laughs> and you, you're correct. Six out of six. I've got to say, this is superb form, Peter. You've actually got one more right than you did when you were testing out on Josh's questions. Not to... Not to get anyone worried. I did pretty well on the last question, which I don't think I'll do again. I don't doubt I'll do that well. You might do. Who knows? Okay, let's move on then. Six out of six. Question number seven. In the top division of which European country do Fortuna Sittard play? I didn't know this. Holland. You're right. Yeah, it is Holland. I really didn't know this. It could have been Germany, Holland, or somewhere like Portugal. But it is indeed. It's Holland, yeah. They are 16th in the Eredivisie for what it's worth at the moment. Right, here's one I'm more confident you will get. Who I'm scored Al- <laughs> Who scored Albion's opener in the one-all home draw with Burnley in mid-September? You actually mentioned this game. Sure, it's it? not an opener. Sure, it's like a. It's an open goal. Could you miss it? <laughs> uh, Malpay. Malpay is a good correct answer. Yep, absolutely. Eight out of eight. This Quite is a good finish memory. It was like across. It was good. Over Mont- Montoya or something like that, and he kind of like flicked it across the keeper and into the. Yes. If I'm remembering correctly, that if it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Very yeah, good finish, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, this gets tougher, but it's open-ended a bit. Um, it's the same format as a question I asked Josh. It's a question with five guesses allowed. So the question is, which goalkeeper holds the record for the most Premier League appearances? So Premier League era, most appearances. Simple as that. You've got five guesses to get the right answer. And I think there's about eight or nine candidates for this. So. Okay, I'm going to open with one. I'm not sure is, but I'm going to try it out. Pitacek? Pitacek is in the top five. It's the wrong answer for the top prize, but he is in at number five, actually, Mm. with 394 appearances in the league. Good effort. Unlucky. Yeah, um, there's a lot of. I'm trying to think of the. There's some really obvious ones that are played. I might go for a couple of years. Has Foster a couple of years down below? But he's played a lot in the Premier League. He played for, He's playing at a really old age now as well. Ben Foster. Hmm, it's a good idea, but no, he doesn't. He's like doesn't feature. So well. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's somewhere. Uh, it may all be someone older as well. It may be someone from a while ago. Premier hmm. League, how that makes it a bit more clouded as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ben Foster's good effort, but he's not in the top five actually, as it happens. But um, that's two goes. You've got three more efforts. Some, so I'm trying to think of someone who was around. Seaman played too much. I think a little bit too much in the old era in the first mm-hmm. division. Um, should I know for Schmeichel? But he's he didn't even Peter Schmeichel. Yeah. I would have gone for Schmeichel. He's not in the top five. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. So you've got two more goes. Remember, it's only one point for getting it right, so there's no pressure on which go you get, but as long as you get it. So you've, oh, you've God, had Petr you've had Peter Schmeichel, and you've had Ben Foster so far. Two more goes. Yeah, they're currently playing. The tricky bit is, which of the two in the top four might you get? <laughs> yeah. If you get the right. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like, there's... It is someone who's who's who got older in the in the division. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So probably to be honest, that that explains all four of the people I'm looking at. It's on my probably in, well, it must do by definition. I think probably if they come overseas. Yeah, if they're English, probably or at least British, I would have thought. Um, 
or like Schweinfurt came at a very young age, mm. whatever sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah or Czech came at a very young age. Well, two, two of the four people that are in the top four are, well, technically foreigners. Uh, one of them is sort of, and one of them is English. And I'm not saying which one's the right answer either. No. Just to give you a, like a general steer. Remember, you've got two more guesses left. Yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're all English speakers, shall I say yeah. that? That necess- doesn't necessarily help. I, I would say for the US players, then in that case, there's been one, there must be one or two US, um, or Australian, but no, probably not. For the US, there's someone like Keller, or something like that, or Schwarzer, uh, Australian-wise. Um, yeah, it's a nasty one, this. It's quite yeah. tough, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, that's an... Well, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> Van der Sar. Oh, Van der Sar's got an interesting choice. Yeah, he's I not know where I get that from, yeah. He's not on the list, no. He's not in the top seven. Um, you've got one more guest left. Um, I'm struggling with something. I'm trying to think of English players who would, would reply to. It's really... I don't know why. It's like, uh, literally the whole lineage of goalkeepers have pretty gone, which I showed you told you it's like completely screwed me over now it's like kind of I've turned my knowledge has disappeared now basically of football yeah it's uh well I'll give you one clue it doesn't really help it's more just for a um, laugh <laughs> Petr Cech is fifth with 394 Brad Friedel is fourth with 450 so it's not him is my clue <laughs> you hadn't thought of him anyway um the person who's in third place <coughs> has literally just one more appearance than Brad <coughs> Friedel. Uh, he's of these shores. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you who's at number two or one, <coughs> because obviously that's too yeah. much of a giveaway. No, I, I'm already thinking I'm not answering this question correctly anyway. No. Um, it's quite tough. It it's great, because I thought of him and I don't want to get David Seaman, but I don't think it's right. Yeah, well, it's a good effort, David Seaman, but it, you're right, it's not right. <laughs> Do I get a point for like, knowing it's not right? <laughs> who is uh, it then? Who are, the, who are the third, second and first then? So you, is that it? It's, it's a yeah, zero. Your first is. question wrong, isn't it? I think. Is that right? It is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. All of the other questions are right. Well, I can tell you, fifth place, Petr Cech, 394. Brad Friedel, 450. Shea Given, 451. Oh, he cheekily sneaked in there, didn't he? Mark Schwarzer, who you mentioned earlier, actually, I would have probably guessed him, actually. Uh, he was on 514, but he was still probably about two seasons worth behind the top Premier League appearance Which holder. team do they play? It's English. He's English. You got half of it right when you guessed David Seaman. It's not the Seaman bit that you got right, just to clarify. Oh, David James? Yeah, David James. Logan. 572. Actually, to be fair, I think I could have actually gone all night without really yeah. getting that. Because he was Portsmouth in the Prem. He was with yeah. Liverpool. Where else was he? At Villa. Villa, yeah. So he's always been... What, was he Watford in the Prem? Or was he, he, been, I mean, yeah. was he too early for that in Watford? Yeah. I think the vast majority of his games were in... <coughs> no, I, I, that wasn't anywhere near the tip of my tongue. That yeah. was... I, I think I would have said Schwarter because I knew I, I would been, not have said James he was about 40 years old and he, mm. he was still back up to Chelsea wasn't he but he was back up so he wasn't playing true true. Um, so in a go. way I mean, he might have got one or two games a season but he wasn't playing decent effort though Peter so you're on 8 out of 9 you're one ahead of Josh at the 
seven out he got seven out of ten you've got eight out of nine let's see if you can make it nine out of ten with our missing link round it's albion themed as it was for josh last week and your missing link list is as follows you'll be able to guess the theme but can you guess the person so here's the list tommy cook glenn murray question mark that's the one you want peter ward bert stevens albert mundy and bobby zamora so first, do you know what this is? You know top scorers. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, Bert Stevens, by the way, in some some records is is listed as top scorer. Is it Kit Napier? You are correct, sir. Well done, well done. I was about to say, Bert Stevens is technically the top scorer if you count a load of friendly and yeah, wartime games. But, yeah, you... but his official competitive games, he features between Ward and Monday. You are right, Kit Napier is currently our third top scorer ever. Until I make a surprising substitute appearance next weekend. And, and score then... 100, 100 goals. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That would be impressive. <laughs> so well, well, to be fair, there was a guy at 75 who made his professional debut in Egypt recently and scored a last-minute penalty and apparently he's trying to... He needs another one more game to become the oldest professional player ever. So he's a millionaire that's brought his way into something. Yeah, I didn't quite gather how he managed it, but he's, <laughs> he's 75, he's got an injury record and he's managed to start for a professional team in Egypt. Fair play, fair yes, play. Yeah. Right, so you have 9 out of 10, which I have to say is a very impressive score. You are still 2 behind Josh, and we come to the final round. The final round is the Who Am I round, which is a series of 5 clues. If you get it on the first clue, you get 5 points, which would win you at least top spot for now. If you get it on the second clue, 4 points, etc, etc, all the way down to the fifth clue is 1 point. If you don't get it after that, 0. You, you can have 1 guess per clue. Cool. So think carefully, but you're allowed one guess. Throw something in if you can't think of anything, just for the sake of it. Here we go then. Who am I? Clue number one. I'm a 5 foot, 11 inch tall, 27 year old forward, playing in the Premier League for a non-top six club at the moment. So I'm, I'm a current Premier League player, a forward, non-top six club. I'm 5 foot, 11, I'm 27 years old. I wish I was 27 years old by the way. But anyway, <laughs> that's your first clue. It may not give you enough to know, but it gives you enough to maybe make a quick wild stab in the dark. Non-top six. Yeah. By top six, of course, I'm yeah. talking the traditional top yeah, six. Yeah, top six. Yeah. Although, um, if, if you want an extra clue, it's not Leicester either. No. <laughs> so it's outside the top seven, traditionally. It's not Albion, because Malpay's not that age. Connolly's not that age and Murray's not that age yeah. um, so it's annoying because I could I got yeah debut proper last time in the first <laughs> guess because it was Albion um, okay so we got it down to a 1 in 12 yeah which isn't bad Richardson oh that's a good shout that's a good shout not right that's not right no <laughs> if you got it on the first it's about go, the right height for him I think so it's like people would have started to doubt my integrity if the veracity right. of his <laughs> quiz still got two more guesses that's, I think haven't I to um to to win that's right one you've, more to equal myself and one more and one more to yeah you've got nine out of ten haven't you currently yeah and potentially up to thirteen which is what you scored on the trial run so let's see clue number two really match myself <laughs> clue number two is. Uh, my real first name is Dazet, although you'll know me by one of my middle names. My other middle name is Armel, by the way. So his real name is... That's not Clue. So it's Dazet, something you'll know him by, Arnel 
something you'll know by so. Only if you happen to know it. That's quite a tough second clue. Yeah, that's a terrible second clue. All right, steady <laughs> on. <laughs> um, so Dazette doesn't sound very... So not Leicester, not Brighton, not any of the top six. Well, this could, this could be... Yeah, you're right, but it could be anybody. Um, but Dazette doesn't sound very um, Irish. It doesn't sound very... So, yeah, I'm thinking of teams, though. So, none of, the, yeah. so out of, not, of the eight, that's none of them. Um, so, who else is there that's obvious? Striker-wise. I'm a bit lost here, actually. I'm gonna... So, bottom 13, forward, 5'11", 27 years old, yeah. currently playing in the Premier League. First name... Can I withhold my guest here and have two next time? <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, I think we could do that. I think we could do that. Yeah, let's, let's allow that. I'm going to allow that. I'm withholding my guess this time because okay, it's literally not a clue. Right, okay. I think you're going to get it on the next clue anyway. I'm hoping so. Here we go. You're on nine. I've lost to myself you, already. You could potentially get 12 if you get it right on this clue. The clue number three is I wear the number 11 shirt for my club who play their home games somewhere in the south of England. So it's a south of England non top. Six yeah. seven club. Number eleven shirt. And you wanted two guesses, eh? We'll see. And you're a forward, you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Described on Wikipedia as a forward, yeah. Somewhere in the south of England. And it's not me, because I haven't made my debut yet. I'm not on there yet. <laughs> so you basically you had to pay for Bournemouth, Southampton. Brian could be Watford, could be West Ham, could be. You say described. They, would you regard them as a forward? I say described as a forward. Um, ish of sorts. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them. They're not a centre forward. No. Jordan Ibe. That's not a bad guess, but you're wrong. You've got your second guess in hand for this clue. You're on the right sort of tracks. Yeah. Jared Bowen. Mm, that's not a bad shout, but it's not the right answer. <laughs> so we're down. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible question. We're down to clue number four. If you get this right, you get two points, which would put you level with Josh, which means we'd have to have a playoff at the end of the season via a conference call, probably. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it's all falling apart at once. <laughs> you were worried about this, weren't you? And sure enough, it's all. I don't think there's anything that's really I've missed though I don't really well maybe not but here we go with clue number four I think you're going to get it on this one you said that last time <laughs> I'm more confident this time I am an Ivory Coast International oh, he's not looking sure yet this is oh no is Josh going to be in the lead at the end of this your arch rival <laughs> So I'll recap the clues while you're thinking, just to fill the airwaves and also to give you a bit of thinking time and to refresh the memories of the listeners. So, clue one is 5 foot, 11 inch tall, 27 year old forward, according to Wikipedia, playing in the Premier League currently for a non-top six club, non-top seven if you count Leicester. Clue number two, real first name is Dazet, so it's Dazet. The first name that you know him as is his middle name, then another middle name, Armel, and then his actual surname. Clue number three, 
He wears the number 11 shirt for his club, who play their home games somewhere in the south of England. And clue number four is he's an Ivory Coast international. There's a few, I don't actually know who, which one of them, any of them are in Ivory Coast international. I've literally no idea. So, speaking, talking out loud here, I don't know who Ginepro plays with Southampton. I don't know who um, Saar plays for for Watford. I don't know what number they are. I've literally no idea what number anyone yeah. else is from the clubs. Um, mm. I'm thinking number 11. Think number 11 in more detail than you have done. That's all I'll say. That's my only... I gave Josh one clue, so I'm giving you one. Number 11 is quite distinctive. It's a left winger. It's 2-0 to Leicester, by the way. Oh, that's good. It's a left winger, normally. Um, uh, number 11 shirt normally is, yeah. Vardy scored from the penalty spot, in case anyone was interested. interested. But there we go. But they're probably not anymore, because they didn't have a final score, whereas we don't... <laughs> Yes, we're still excited. So we're recording now. Um, oh, it looks like Josh is going to be in the lead. This is agony for Peter. Arch rivals. It's like the Palace Brighton game, isn't it? This. I did beat him on his round, so. <laughs> I knew you were going to point that. Back. This is a kind of. I mean, to be honest, the, Bright, the other one was a Brighton one. It's really easy. This one was like, this feels ridiculous. This is really hard. Okay. Well, you haven't had a guess yet, so you're still in the game. You can still draw this. That's a 11 out of 15. By the way, if you wanted to set me some questions later in the year, you're perfectly welcome if you want to get your revenge on me. But the first 10 were really logical. It's like... Mm. This is tough. This is tough, I have to say. So he's 5 foot 11, 27 years old. Yeah, it's not really healthy in me. I don't, I don't know the age of a lot of these players. I don't really know... Mm. Where they're from, I don't know the height. He's, quite, he's, quite, he's well known. He's not. He's not someone obscure. He's not one of those players that's a squad member who you won't really know. He's he's, he's quite a prominent, well known player for his club. Um, I don't think the seven bloody teams of Premier League are. Yeah, well, Southampton, we'll them now. Southampton, Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. Ignoring the top six teams, Watford, West Ham. Obviously Brighton as well. It's not Brighton, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, I realise that. It's like <laughs> Watford, yeah. West Ham. I ruled out Brighton a while ago. It's, uh, hmm. Palace. Oh, it's fucking Zaha, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've almost taken for a fall there. You're right, it is, it is Wilfred Zaha. Our favourite friend. And the fifth clue, if you had have needed the fifth clue, which would have cost you your joint leadership with Josh in the table, would have been, I have major trouble staying on my feet and making friends with my neighbours. <laughs> I think you would have got it on that one, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh my oh. God, I can't believe I fell apart in the Zaha. <laughs> I didn't even think of Palace. It was deduction though, wasn't it, in the end? As soon as you said Palace, you went, oh, Palace. Yes, that old thing that just keeps haunting us, eh? You're right, yes, it's Wilfred Zaha. Peter, you've scored 11 out of 15. You are joint oh, top with Josh. Question. Yeah, well, if it comes down to a draw between you two as top scorers, we'll have a playoff. Do I not get the win from having got more in his quiz than he did? <laughs> Depends if he listens to this. If he doesn't, <laughs> I can ask him your questions. <laughs> I might do that, actually, but we'll see. He'll, he'll lie and say he hasn't heard it. Uh, but there we go. OK, well, there we are. That's almost it for this episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, the BRP. Um, Sponsored by Seagulls Over London. Have you enjoyed it so far, Peter? I have, except for that last bit. I thought you'd say that. 
Finally then, the Arsenal preview. We don't have Arsenal fans with us. We're supposed to have had them. I can pretend to be an Arsenal fan if you want. I'm, d- I'm disgusted. I have a lot of Arsenal fans who've not shown up. Peter, as a I feel like the last Arsenal few times fan. they played us in, shall we? <laughs> what, as, a, as a fake Arsenal fan, Peter, how do you fancy your chances? I think we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> On a serious note, are we going to beat them? I think I'm, we are. I, I'm I've told you about more optimistic than I'm, I want to be, which is... Yeah, yeah. I think we've got, in a way, weirdly more chance against teams who come out and try and play football and don't really defend than we do against teams of less quality who yeah. sit back and hold out like Palace and uh, other teams have done. I think we're going so, to beat Arsenal and Man United at home. I, I'm delighted with both of those. I think Arsenal's more likely. I think United have a pretty good run of form at the moment and we're... We, they, they rather run, they, they rather hammered us at the at Old yeah, Trafford. Yeah, Amex, bogey team. Just no, I think, they'll be okay. I think they'll win. I think Arsenal will uh, will get something. So you think a draw? It really needs to be a win. We need a win. We need a win, don't we? Because we're one in deficit from the Palace game, the draws are the draws. The Watford home game was disappointing. We should have won that. Palace, we should have won or at least Villa, drawn. we should have been... And Villa. Really. So we're, we're, we're down on where we need West to be. West Ham, we should have won as well, really. So now we need a bonus win. Yeah. So yeah, I I think we need to beat Arsenal. I personally think we might do it and get the double over them. And if we do, that will serve you guys right for not showing up for our podcast tonight. <laughs> screw you. <laughs> yeah, screw you guys. <laughs> but it's not going to be easy. Arsenal look more revived under Arteta. I spoke to a couple of Arsenal fans at the weekend at my Sunday football uh, gathering, and well, they said Arsenal were shit. That was basically the summary of what they said. So they're not feeling in a good place. Arteta has improved them. I think they acknowledge that, but yeah. uh, they're in a bit of a mess, aren't they? Um, they, were, they were sound like quite lucky to beat West Ham at the weekend at home. So, yeah. and historically, they're a lot better at home than they are away. So, yeah. who knows? It's just uh, yeah. So you're on the pitch if we win the game. Obviously, yeah, I'm on the yeah. pitch anyway. I'll see you there. Centre spot. So, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm scoring the goals. Fantastic. Pine of Harvey's it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see what happens. There we go. That's it for episode 16 of Brighton Rock Podcast. Thank you to Peter. Thank you very much, Russ. It's been a pleasure as always, except for that bloody last question. <laughs> At least you're still in the game. You're joint top. Yeah. Can't say fairer than that. For I've left, let, we've let others in, though, and I've let, I know, you know, I know, yeah. Yeah, I've let myself see. down. I've let, <laughs> I've let Wilfred Saar down. <laughs> Can you take the positives, though? No. Oh, dear, that's, that's crushing. It's, that's like crushing. A, it's like I was two up with two minutes left, and then... Uh, <laughs> Conceded two injury time equalisers of the two weeks round goals. Well, we can always console ourselves with some more of this lovely beer in the cloud, can't we? That will help us. Yeah. yeah, and we don't support Palace, so there's always a bright side. Yeah, there's always, there's, we always feel privileged not to support Palace. Or Burnley. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Stand or fall? Up the Albion. Get in. Cheers. Woo! Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.